do we need to burn economics to the ground? Well, maybe. That's a little bit harsh. There are good economists out there, some honest scholars who are seeking to understand the actual economy and how it works. Uh, and also many that understand, who look at things honestly and appreciate the fact that mainstream economics, really the mainstream practice of economics, has gone so far off the rails as to be not just unhelpful, but an impediment to public understanding what's going on and how they can interpret what's going on. Now, money and yield curves have told you what to expect this year. In fact, they've been right on about everything that has unfolded, including today's so-called CPI shock. Suddenly, consumer prices are decelerating, maybe even rapidly, and in certain key sectors, they're already falling, just as the yield curves have predicted. Now, why can't the public grasp these simple truths, these simple fundamentals? Well, the main reason why, economics. Economics has stood in the way of the public learning about what's really happening and how to understand all of these moving parts and what they actually mean. And the reason is central bank practice of economics, which puts the central bankers in the middle of the equation, when in reality, that is so far from the truth, which is why economics has gone so far off the rails. Now we'll go over today's CPI report to show you, first of all, what's in it, what's to be concerned about, why the yield curve and how the yield curve and the Eurodollar futures curve and the other curves were absolutely right when they were absolutely right, as well as we're gonna go back to the Wall Street Journal for another prime example. Thank you to my friend Todd for sending this to me, getting me all riled up about it. Another example of how economics as a discipline has now is, has moved into the realm of being actually harmful, preventing people from understanding the world and how it works, and therefore being prepared for what's going on. So today's gonna be, we're gonna do a little bit of an angry tone today's, uh, today's uh, video. But first, of course, non-angry, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you for joining me. If you're interested where we can we go through the, the deep fundamentals behind curves and what they're trying to tell you, the monetary system, the ba background and the basics, go to eurodollar.university. We have memberships available, which have exclusive video content as well as question and answers. We have subscriptions. There's a daily briefing I do in partnership with Stephen Van Meter and Tracy Chukart, Markets Insider Pro, and a daily deep dive analysis where we dive deep into what's wrong with economics and what's right with small e economics, understanding money, curves, implications, consequences, all of those things. Information, all of that is available, eurodollar.university. We're gonna to start today with the CPI report, the CPI shock, which was only shocking if you haven't been paying attention to the market signals that those markets have been sending you in a particular period of time, but really all year. I mean, Euro dollar futures first inverted way back in December. The yield curve began flattening way back last October, October 2021, which suggested balance of probabilities. This was how inflation, inflation was going to end because it was never inflation. Markets have been telling you all along this was nothing more than a supply shock. Therefore, consumer price pressures would be transitory. But not only would they be transitory, 
What that ultimately means on the downslope, that's what we're about to find out here. But first, the numbers. Uh, today's CPI report seasonally adjusted 0.1% increase month over month for the headline CPI, which meant that the annual rate, comparing November 2022 to November 2021, was 7.1%, which is the lowest since January. Big decline uh, in the annual rate be between this month and last month. The core rate, which was 0.27% month over month in October, fell, decelerated a little bit to 0.02%. But most of that was owner's equivalent rent and other rental, other rental prices. So most of the CPI bucket away from rents is decelerating rapidly, if not falling when you include energy, new car prices, and things like that. Um, and here's the big one. The big one that, that really grabs my attention, which is services less rent. So we don't focus on services, set them aside because owner's equivalent rent, that's an accounting fiction, something that uh, economists have thrown in there to try to capture some changes in housing valuations, which means for these particular CPIs, owner's equivalent rent is figuring not what's going on in the rental economy right now, but what housing prices were doing about 18 months ago, which is accelerating rapidly. So owner's equivalent rent is adding to today's CPI last year's housing bubble. So we exclude rental prices and look at just services. They've declined. Now it wasn't much. It was, I think, 0.2% or 0.15% last month and only 0.02% this month. But that's two straight months of the CPI services without rents declining. Now that's, that's exceptionally rare. In fact, it's only happened twice in the last many decades. The last couple times, of course, March, April, and May of 2020, when there were no services, services were basically shut down, um, outside services. Obviously, there were services coming into your home, but still, falling services, March, April, and May 2020. And then before that, the only time you see two months in a row falling services prices, March, April, and May of 2009, the worst of the Great Recession. So falling services prices, along with a lot of other services data, including PMIs, suggesting that the economy is in bad shape, bad enough shape that service providers are actively cutting prices. Some of them are doing that. Some of them must be doing that, which is something that consumers already know, which is why consumer expectations have been following too. They've been falling too. But when we look at the CPI, we break it down into, into discrete periods. What you see is that Consumer price pressures change after June. June was the month. So if you look at comparable periods, so let's look at, let's break down the CPI into five month periods. So that means we've got February, March, April, May, and June of this year. That's our first five month period. And then afterwards, July, August, September, October, and November. That's five months, right? One, two, three, four, five. Yes. So two five month comparable periods. And what you see is in the first one up until June, including June, the CPI was accelerating to an annual rate of 13.4%. That's the consumer price pressure and inflation that everybody remembers, everybody's been talking about. Massive gains, especially in energy, gasoline in particular, food prices as well, before services or before the rental price inflation really got, got going. So up until June, that five-month period, a 13.4% annual rate. Absolutely massive supply shock stuff since June. So July, August, September, October, November, up until the latest month, the CPI is rising at an annual rate of 
1.1%. From 13.4% annual rate to 1.1%. Now the core rate, of course, a lot of that CPI decreases, of course, energy. And if we exclude energy prices, still the core rate was rising in that first five month window by a 6% annual rate. And since then, it's been rising at only a 3.1% annual rate. So cut in half already. And remember, a lot of that 3.1%, in fact, two points out of that 3.1% were just owner's equivalent rent. If you take that out, the core CPI rate is rising at a 1.1% annual rate in the last five month period. Something big changed around June into July. You know what else changed June into July? Yield curves. Yield curve inversion went nuclear late June into July. As these consumer price pressures were softening because the economy was softening, that was picked up in the marketplace and transmitted to the rest of the public in the form of escalating inversion. Now, inversion happened previous to that during the first five month window where the market was saying, as consumer prices were accelerating wildly, especially March with oil and gasoline, and then after that, inversion showed up in the yield curve, which was the market saying, the probability this ends pretty badly is rising. And then we got to June when consumer prices accelerated at their maximum, an inversion absolutely surged, which was the market saying, yep, this is not going to end well. And what else also happened in June? June is when the Federal Reserve actually started to get more aggressive. The market inversion was the market disagreeing with the Federal Reserve's interpretation of what was going on because the inversion was the Fed raising rates at the short end, but buying more bonds at the long end, lowering long end rates relative to short end rates. Why? because the market knew the consumer price pressure, the consumer price situation had already changed. While those jackasses at the FOMC were still thinking, looking at this backward looking CPI and thinking that, oh my God, consumer prices are gonna to continue to get out of control, the market had already teased out, the situation had changed. And better than that, it transmitted this information in the form of this yield curve shape to the general public. Now, why doesn't the general public get that message? Because of those jackasses at the FOMC. What has, uh, what has every policymaker, what has Jay Powell said about the yield curve this year? Oh, ignore it. There's no good information. Inversion, forget inversion. None of that stuff is helpful. Well, he's wrong. Yet again, another Fed chairman who's about to be thrown under the bus because he doesn't listen to the market instead tells you not to listen to the market and listen to him because economics is not a serious discipline it is a cult in fact you know you look at these guys and you hear them talk and you think well it sounds more like again a cult it's, it sounds more like a political ideology that has been put into practice by those whose sole task is to maintain their power and authority. It's like North Korea. And Paul Volcker is the Kim Il-sung of the Fed cult, just as Alan Greenspan is the Kim Jong-il, and maybe Ben Bernanke and Jay Powell are Kim Jong-un one and two. I'm leaving Janet Yellen out of this analogy because she's the least worst of them. She was occasionally honest. 
But really what goes on here is economics as its practice is a political ideology which it, it's its sole purpose is to keep the Federal Reserve at the center of everything. Even though, as the yield curves have shown already, the Fed is not at the center. We already talked about this just recently. The $80 trillion in dollar swaps that the BIS suddenly found and discovered in, in bank footnotes, there's no Fed in any of that stuff. This offshore monetary system that the Fed doesn't want anybody to know about, <clears throat> get rid of LIBOR, that's the real monetary system. And if you understand the monetary mechanics as they actually are, not only do you remove the Fed from the equation, you can start to appreciate the fundamentals that are pictured in the yield curves, as well as the whole story of why things happen the way they happen. Whereas if you're left stuck with thinking about everything through the lens and filtering everything through the lens of Federal Reserve policies, it's all so damn confusing. And it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be because fundamentally, monetary these, these massive markets tell you everything you need to know from the inside. They're giving you the information from the inside. These are the monetary participants themselves telling you what they perceive. That's why yield curves and money curves like Euro dollar futures are so helpful because that's the, the monetary system itself telling you what's going on in the monetary system. Again, we use the analogy of the black hole. In fact, that's the Eurodollar University logo for this reason. Even if we can't see what's going on in the monetary system, thanks to the Fed cult, then we can at least listen to what the monetary system is doing in these various markets and how it's altering market prices, curve shapes, and things like that to piece together a much better picture of what is what reality actually is. Unfortunately, that's not what the Federal Reserve wants to do, and that's not what all the Federal Reserve, all the all the mainstream practitioners of economics want to do. They want to maintain this idea of this powerful technocratic institution that sits at the center of the monetary, financial, and economic universe and controls everything easily, quickly, uh, predictably, effectively, efficiently with the flip of these various switches, including rate hikes or rate cuts or quantitative easing. All of these things are designed to forward that message that these people are technocrats. They know what they're doing. They know how to do things. They know how to interpret the economy. And if there's a problem, they know how to fix it at the flip of a switch. Nothing could be further from the truth. And it is these yield curves that tell us that, which is one reason why they keep telling you to ignore them. Now, the Wall Street Journal published another article today, which basically said, we don't know what's going on with the 10-year yield. We can't figure out why it's, the, the rates are falling, why the yield curve's inverted, because don't these 10-year uh, Treasury investors know the Fed is raising rates? The Fed is increasing rates. So here's the Wall Street Journal, which we're gonna go over this because it's, again, it, it's, it's a perfect example, just like we went through yesterday, of how mainstream economics is, it's deceiving. It's not even unhelpful. It's, it's gotten to the point where it's actually deceptive. So the Wall Street Journal, Fed officials have already sent clear signals that they plan to raise their benchmark federal funds rate by 0.5 percentage points, so half a percentage point, when they conclude their two-day meeting on Wednesday, which is tomorrow. 
What happens to the 10-year treasury yield, though, is far less certain, only to you people. To everybody else who can understand the fundamentals of the yield curve, what's going on in that market, and particularly 10-year and all the, really the, every part of the yield curve, is no mystery whatsoever. You just have to remove the Federal Reserve from the equation. The Federal Reserve only influences the front end of the yield curve. Now, here's the thing. Back to the Wall Street Journal. Because bond yields are largely determined by investors' expectations for short-term interest rates over the life of a bond, the Fed can influence them by changing the level of short-term rates or projecting what those rates will be over the next couple of years. No, 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 no. See, this is Greenspan talking. This is his series of one-year forwards. When we go back to his conundrum, he talked about in June 2003, there was an FOMC, FOMC meeting where the Fed debated why quantitative easing in Japan had been such an utter failure. And they started talking about interest rates. And Greenspan said, you know, just like the Wall Street Journal article says today, Greenspan said, when we think about interest rates, we think about interest rates, they can't be independent. They have to be dependent on the Fed. Otherwise, I'm paraphrasing here, all of our magic and mystique just falls apart. And so here's the Wall Street Journal in 2022 repeating that crap. Again, remember Greenspan in front of Congress in February 2005 said exactly the same thing the Wall Street Journal article says today. We can't figure out why the 10-year Treasury yield is falling because the Fed is raising rates. So shouldn't there be this series of one year four with the Fed raises rates and projects its higher rate cuts or rate hikes into the future, Shouldn't the market go along? And the answer, of course, is no. The market can and absolutely does disagree with the Fed. Don't fight the Fed? No, there's tons of money to be made in fighting the Fed repeatedly. Uh, back to the Wall Street Journal. Um, falling long-term bond yields are important in part because they could make it harder for the Fed to bring inflation back to its 2% annual target. Again, no. Falling long-term bond yields, like we've seen since the inversion went nuclear in July, we're telling you that inflation is already, consumer price pressures are already coming down. They've got this so backwards. This is why economics might need to be burned to the ground. They can't even make sense of reality. Uh, Mr. Powell has pointed out repeatedly this year how investors rising expectations for short-term interest rates as reflected in higher bond yields have done more to fight inflation than the actual increases in the Fed funds rate. He's, that's just psychological garbage. But here's the thing. The article ends with the last person, any, any serious mainstream or out of mainstream uh, journal or media or whatever, the last person you should ever quote is Bill Dudley. Bill Dudley has made so many egregious errors, particularly during the period when we needed the Fed to perform actually to perform up to snuff. Bill Dudley kept leading the FOMC in the wrong direction time and time and time and time again. I could do a whole week of shows just on Bill Dudley's errors, but nobody knows these. Why? Because the Wall Street Journal quotes Bill Dudley as if he's some form of expert. It's not about the performance anymore. It's not even about evidence. We are led to believe that the practice of economics as a science is all about the scientist. Bill Dudley had a fancy job where he was once 
I think the chief economist of Goldman Sachs. Oh, that's very, he's got all the right thing, all the right pedigree. He was the, the head of the open market operations at the all-powerful Federal Reserve. He was the, the even the, uh, the president of the New York branch of the Federal Reserve. So of course he must know what he's talking about. But when you actually go through and examine the data, the evidence, all of the stuff they said, not just in 2008, but also all the years afterwards, the guy hasn't got a single thing right in decades. But yet he's quoted as if he's the definitive, the definitive expert on all of these things because Fed. Here's what the Wall Street Journal article ends with. The Fed's ability to raise short-term rates gives it a whip hand here, said William Dudley, the former New York Fed president, who was also previously chief economist at Goldman Sachs. Markets can be more optimistic or more pessimistic, but the Fed ultimately writes the story. The Fed writes the story in the media, not in reality. The yield curve told you correctly that a consumer price pressures had fallen off materially around June and July. More than that, they told you to be that the Fed's rate hikes influencing the short end of the curve were an egregious mistake. Not because the rate hikes were causing consumer price pressures to decrease, but because the Fed didn't know what the hell was going on in the real economy. That the yield curve and the euro dollar futures curve and the monetary system, they did. The Fed is making the same mistakes that it made back in 2007. Now, it doesn't mean we're repeating the 2008 crisis or anything like that. They think the economy is doing one thing. The markets are showing you the economy is doing something else. Ever since then, especially since the middle of October, November, really November on forward, nuclear inversions have gone another step nuclear. So we already had problems Middle of month, the yield curve telling you consumer price pressures were coming down. Then the yield curve went second level nuclear in November. Now we're seeing falling services prices. What does that mean about the months ahead? Well, I'll tell you one thing it means. Don't listen to the Fed or the Wall Street Journal. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, a huge, huge, sincere thank you to Eurodollar University members as well as our research subscribers. More information about that, eurodollar.university. As always, until next time, take care.